What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 37 of Preloaded. My name is Josh Finderup, and I'm joined once again, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. Uh, had a nice couple of days off, but yeah, I'm really excited to get back into things. We've got a lot of exciting games out now and coming really soon. Yeah, we finally got some, uh, or at least a big release with one uh, literally on the way tomorrow as we record this. Uh, and as far as news, yeah, we got some Ratchet and Clank gameplay that we're going to talk about. Uh, everybody's probably already poured over through that, but we didn't get to talk about it last week. Uh, we got some E3 news. Uh, some We got a Ubisoft drop, like a news drop, uh, kind of a surprise announcement from them this morning. And uh, we are also going to have a review discussion uh, at the end of the show, for our deep dive this week, we're just going to dig in uh, to the Resident Evil Village reviews and kind of give our thoughts on that. Neither of us have played the game, but we certainly have some thoughts on on where the reviews stand and how those are shaken out. So you'll want to stay tuned for all of that. But first, you can catch Preloaded every Friday. We post over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's JV on YouTube, so check him out if you haven't already subscribed. But if you prefer to listen... You can catch the audio versions over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you can write into Preloaded. Every week at the end of the show, we dig into our mailbag and answer one of your questions. So if you want to hear us discuss anything related to games, send us an email. It's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, just at me or Jackson. I'm uh, at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at JV on YT. Nice. So, uh, yeah, you can drop us questions there as well. And with all that out of the way, we are going to kick the show off, as we always do with our segment, What the Hell Have You Been Playing? Jackson? So, I was talking about this with Josh right before the show started. Um, I actually managed to finish Returnal. So, in the last week, um, I was out of town when it came out. So, I picked it up uh, briefly Sunday night, but really dove in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then finished it this morning. Um, and I was absolutely blown away uh, both by what Returnal managed to pull off in terms of being kind of a semi-double-A game, I guess you could say, for an exclusive, but also at full price, but also just hooking me. Like, I was obsessed. I, I, I really, really dove deep into the game, and I learned all of the mechanics, and I became just very entrenched in it. And... Um, I was very satisfied by the ending, and apparently there's a secret ending you can go after, so yep. I may even go for that. Nice. So how uh, how many hours? At the, like You can go into your ship and see how long it took you, not to uh, put you on the spot here or <laughs> expose you in any way, but how many hours did you clock in this game? So only 17 and a half. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I saw some people clear it in like 14 hours, so I think I might have been... Either that was a really fast person, or uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, but... Uh, 17 hours, 17 deaths. But the interesting thing is that I beat Biomes 4, 5, and 6 on my first try. Just one go. I didn't die at all during that part. You're not the first person I've heard that did that. There was someone else I saw on Twitter who, uh, it was funny, they were waiting, uh, they were tweeting about how their, their girlfriend was like waiting on them to finish their run of Returnal. And they were on like the second biome and they were going to go have dinner. And he ended up finishing it on that, the finishing the game on that run because he 
managed to get through those same biomes in uh, <laughs> in one sitting. So it was a, like a really long run, which was kind of funny. But anyways, that's that's cool. Did you uh, enjoy those three biomes as much as the previous three? Like how does how did they compare? I actually I think I enjoyed them more because there was less friction, um, which kind of speaks to the fact that like Returnal and Hades have both taught me that I, I really do like a good roguelike game yeah. and I, I respect what they stand for. But like I noticed for myself, I stopped going in as many optional doors like that just didn't seem like something that I wanted to do. I wanted to keep getting the story. I didn't want to, you know, elongate my runs and have the risk of dying and then getting wiped back. Yeah. So uh, that that's kind of what I ran into. Nice. Well, congrats on finishing it. That's a uh... <laughs> uh i'm like i mean i don't want to get into to my experience too soon unless you're done talking about what you've been playing but yeah that's uh <laughs> that has not been my experience oh yeah no uh let's go over to you because that's all i've been playing yeah uh so i'm at like biome two i've clocked 13 hours and i just fit well i finished biome two i beat the second boss now i did beat that second boss on my first try uh which surprised me but then i got to biome three and i died uh, you run into these like aerial enemies that are flying and they 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 kind of pulsate out these red rings and they, I just ran into a room of those and they they just destroyed me so I haven't <laughs> played it since then but I'm like you I'm loving Returnal it has met my expectations uh and uh, maybe even surpassed them uh, and they were high so just really having fun loving the kind of the loot grind that I go through in the first biome to you know make sure I succeed on the second biome and now I'm probably going to do that same thing when I go into the third biome and um, I did hear that there's a checkpoint or something or like a like you can start the game again from the third biome once you make it past that third boss. Did you you, you may not have experienced that since you finished the game. The no, I did. did. Um, there, there's a very specific bookmarked story moment, so I won't spoil it. But yeah. essentially, once you beat the third biome, the derelict citadel um, boss, mm -hmm. you now your resets start at the beginning of the fourth biome. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a relief there. But like you said, I, I didn't experience going back to the beginning of the fourth at yeah. all. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and so anyway, I'm just loving this game. And I just want to say just how silky smooth the shooting mechanics are in this game. Uh, like, I'm not a big third-person shooter, so maybe there are games who, who are have better mechanics but I found it, especially so. One of the other games I've been playing is Ratchet and Clank: uh, a, a Crack in Time. Which, granted, that's like an old game, uh, probably ten years at least old at this point, if not older. Uh, and so, comparing the two is not fair. But that is a third-person shooter, and just going from Returnal to that, I'm like, holy smokes! Returnal, you don't even have to think about what you're doing in that game. It just happens. Like you just move your hands, and you're doing it. You know, uh, Celine does exactly what I want. Not the case with Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I picked up on that, too. It's very responsive. Um, and uh, I, I, too, I think that was why I finished the last half of the game in one you know go. Because yeah. I, I just feel like that by that point, I had clicked with all of the mechanics. And there wasn't much that the game could throw at me to really um, kill me. It felt I felt unstoppable at that point, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh so, yeah, not to get too much into a review discussion on Returnal, but it sounds like we're both enjoying it very much, or at least you enjoyed it and may dive deep into it again. I may, uh, oh, I will, but it's uh, it's going to have to sit on the back burner because, like I said, I'm playing Ratchet & Clank uh, Crack in Time. I'm doing a video on Ratchet & Clank, and I'm not the most experienced in that uh, franchise, so I have to kind of make sure I'm caught up on what, what it's like to play those games. So I'm playing Crack in Time, loving it so far. It's a lot of fun. 
once the game got its collectathon hooks into me, I'm I, I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, and I also beat Resident Evil Seven finally uh, in prep for Village, which comes out tomorrow. Awesome. How'd you like Seven? I loved it. So the funny thing is. I was kind of lukewarm on the opening half of that game. I don't like being chased by these characters. Like, <laughs> Mr. X was okay. I could handle that. But the I forget the name of the family guy, the the, the dad in the family. Jack. Yeah. I could not stand him. So frustrating. I'm just like, would you just die already? And uh, then in the second half of the game, he's just gone. And I'm like, oh, now I can play this game at my own pace. So unlike a lot of people, I didn't like the first half as much as I really loved the second half of that game. Even though it takes a total left turn in the story. Um, but I, I liked it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, from my experience, I was I was like uh, other people. I think I preferred the first half and kind of the the focus of it. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of it does the Resident Evil thing where you go underground and the stakes kind of escalate and things get even crazier, which is awesome. But I just remember kind of trying to speed through that. And also that game just really scared me. Yeah, um, I think it's big the time. Sc- yeah, I think it's the scariest game I've I've played and. Um, there's one part in particular where, uh, I, I don't know, I, th- I think we could probably, I don't think this, well, this actually isn't a story spoiler. It may be like a little spooky spoiler, but there's one part where this little girl's legs walk across this little opening that you can see. And mm-hmm. that part totally creeped me out. But I was like, why is there a little girl here? Thankfully, the story explains that at the end. Um, and I actually really liked how the uh, game did kind of nod to all the previous Resident Evil lore towards the end. If you read all the uh, documents that you can find. They mention the Raccoon City incident. They mention uh, uh, Umbrella Corporation because I was looking forward to that. I was hoping that it connected to the old Resident Evil universe, which it did, uh, even if it was kind of very slight. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm glad to to hear that you enjoyed it. That was a great game. Yeah. So anyway, that was a long uh, what we've been playing segment. Uh, If you've been enjoying Returnal uh, or heck, Resident Evil 7, uh, let us know in the comments. But moving on, we are going to get into the top stories of the week. Uh, the big one that we probably don't want to spend too much time on was because uh, everybody, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is probably pretty uh, uh, familiar with all this. But Ratchet & Clank did, or rather PlayStation had a state of play. They released some new Ratchet & Clank gameplay. Uh, short version of the story is it looks amazing. Uh, Jackson, I don't know if you wanted to just share your thoughts on this. Sure, yeah. I just want to say that it sent my hype personally uh, through the roof as an as a fan of the first three games, playing them as they came out. Um, this is exactly what I want. It, it feels like they didn't hold back, whereas if you played the 2016 game, you might have thought that it was a little tame in some parts, you know, trying to be a movie tie-in. No, this looks like they sunk a lot of money into it from Sony, and I'm really excited to play it. Yeah, me too. I think it just, the game looks incredible. Uh, going back to play A Crack in Time and having not really loved the 2016 remake, my hope for this game is that they somehow evolve this gameplay loop of go into a room, shoot everything, collect all the bolts, go into the next room and do the same thing. I know that that's really oversimplifying it, but to be perfectly honest, that's what my experience has been like playing these games. That's for some reason, that's what I feel like I'm doing. And so I hope that this is... Uh, you know, adding some new elements that make it a deeper experience. Right. I, I think I think it will be that. Um, h- however, I hope that they kind of contextualize progressing your weapons and um, mixing in new combat elements like being able to dash around. Um, that's huge. Yeah. That's really going to change the way it's going to feel more like Returnal. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
uh, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And that dash looks super cool. Got to say, I was impressed with the visuals. It does. There. Yeah. Rivet is in the middle of that dash. Did you notice that? Did you ever no. like pause? Yeah. If you pause it, Rivet is like in the middle. Oh, man. I got to put that in my video that I'm making. That's, that's a great <laughs> detail because one of my theories that I don't know if I was going to mention is, is are they one and the same, just the interdimensional versions of one another? So maybe that's the case. Maybe so. Yep. Uh, so moving on from that, uh, we got some E3 news. So uh, unfortunately, Konami will not be at E3. This was one of my most anticipated kind of reveals. What the heck is Konami going to show? Uh, they just released a statement saying that due to timing, they will not be ready for E3 2021. Uh, but they are deep in deep development on a number of key projects. And uh, obviously, there are a ton of rumors about Konami, Kojima, uh, Microsoft, and E3. But how does Konami fit into all that since they own the Metal Gear uh, uh, IP? Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. Good news is they're still deep in development on these projects. Bad news is we're going to get that information likely sometime after E3. Yeah, I, I figure we'll hear from most major publishers. Um, a lot of them will be at E3, but we'll hear from most of them in the E3 timeframe, you know, the, that next couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And as for the Metal Gear Kojima stuff, I guess that could maybe happen at E3 uh, if Konami just lets Kojima handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, assuming we'll, that we'll is, Sorry to interrupt. Assuming that is even happening. Right. Um. But uh, we also got uh, some good news that uh, some more, and this will probably continue to happen as we get closer to E3, but some more publishers jumped into the fray and are going to be joining the show. So we already had Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Ubisoft, Take-Two, and Warner Brothers. Um, interesting thing about Warner Brothers is they uh, announced the DC, well, I guess I don't know if DC and Warner Brothers are in the same camp, but there is DC Fandom, which got announced as well. But... Those are the publishers that are already there. And now we have Square Enix, Bandai Namco, and Gearbox are also joining the list of publishers. Square Enix, I mean, who knows what they'll show. They have a ton of stuff. I'm, I'm still hoping for uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake 2, but there's a ton of other stuff. But Bandai Namco and Gearbox, uh, what do you think is going on there, Jackson? Any thoughts? So I'm not a huge Bandai Namco guy. Um, I mean... It wouldn't shock me to like see a Dragon Ball game. I feel like they've been pumping those out and people have generally been liking them. Yeah. Um, so something in that realm. I know they have like a ton of other JRPG um, IPs, but again, not my expertise. Gearbox is interesting because they started publishing games um, a lot more. I'm actually forgetting what it is. Oh, Godfall. Yeah. Godfall. That's, That's it. Yeah. So like... I feel like Godfall is kind of dead in the water. Um, yeah. I could be wrong there, but maybe a new project we see from Gearbox since they just started up their publishing house. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I can see them maybe having an expansion for Godfall, but if that's their big showpiece, that's definitely going to fall flat. But yeah, um, Bandai Namco does have, I think, Scarlet Nexus is a game that they've right. been uh, uh, gearing up to release. So we might see more of that. Uh, I think that actually comes out very soon. So uh, the Anyway, that seems likely. But yeah, we'll see what uh, those are up to. E3, can't wait. Uh, it's just over a month away, which is crazy. I know. I, and I'm like still excited. It's virtual and we don't get to go, um, but I'm still very excited for yeah. it. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm pumped. And uh, so from that, I'm going to kick this one over to you, Jackson. We got this uh, kind of, at least to me, it was a surprise Ubisoft announcement. 
Right. So this morning, Ubisoft announced that they're making a free-to-play Division game. It's called The Division Heartland, and this is coming 2021-2022 to PC consoles and cloud. Um, so this is interesting, and you may be wondering, like, why why should you know why should we care? Right. Um, this is probably not something that you would expect to hear about on our show. But I found this particularly intriguing because back in February, there was a fiscal earnings call for Ubisoft that talked about how much they wanted to expand their franchises, uh, just overall, you know, tentacles, I guess you could say, into different um, areas of revenue through free to play games. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting story. And at the time, it kind of seemed weird. But I think really they're looking at, you know, Activision's portfolio and games like, Warzone, mm-hmm. which have proven that if you have a robust free experience that brings people in, that can actually affect um, you, you know the sales of your full retail kind of um, side game that that goes hand in hand with that free to play game, um, yeah. and that's that's the new Call of Duty game. So, um, really, why I wanted to bring this up though is that. We could see a free to play Assassin's Creed game at some point. It's 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 not out of the realm of possibility, especially considering, you know, we'll see how good this does. This seems like it could have legs. Yeah, I mean free to play has proven to be a I mean the biggest game in the world is free to play, you know, and right. uh Warzone free to play and there's uh been plenty of other examples. So, yeah, you know, if it succeeds great and if it does, maybe yeah, we'll get some interesting other free-to-play games from Ubisoft. It would be interesting to see one of these like traditionally single-player games somehow go free-to-play. I don't know if we've I, ever seen yeah. that, and that would be. I'd be very interested to see how that could shake out. I would be too. It's kind. Of, you kind of look at Fallout and Fallout seventy-six. I know that game is not free-to-play. That's true. That's but, a good example, though. Like that, it, yeah, it kind of went MMO a little bit. You know, exactly. Yeah, it went kind of live service which i think is what they would have to do um in order to make this kind of thing profitable because these are not cheap to develop and maintain yep so yeah uh did they i don't even know if you mentioned this uh did they have so 2021 to 2022 so no real hard release window yeah not not uh they're not positive on that and i I don't blame them because like man far cry it's like well (laughs) What's happened with that game's release date? They've yeah. just been silent on it. So yeah. we'll I'm, hear about that soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm expecting a holiday this year, but uh, maybe sooner. Who knows? Uh, anyways, uh, moving on, we got a, uh, to the surprise of no one, Activision confirmed that uh, Call of Duty 2021 is coming this year. Uh, and maybe to the surprise of a few people, it's being developed by Sledgehammer. I really don't know if that was what everybody was expecting. I'm not in the in the loop on these uh, Call of Duty dev cycles. But Sledgehammer is developing it. Uh, It was was during Activision's uh, Q1 earnings call that they revealed uh, that this game is being developed by Sledgehammer and that the game is, quote, looking great and on track for a release this year. And apparently the game will include a, uh, I know that, you know, what was it, Black Ops 4 didn't, I think, have a campaign, if I remember correctly. So this one will have a campaign. It will have multiplayer. Uh, co-op uh, basically it's going to have the full suite that we have all you know come to expect from call of duty games and they did say that it will quote integrate with and enhance existing call of duty ecosystems or or the existing call of duty ecosystem so i'm assuming that they're referring to warzone there 
Uh, I don't know, Jackson, if you think that could mean anything else other than Warzone. Yeah, that that sounds about right and kind of loops into what we just talked about. Um, you know, kind of it makes sense to go ahead and pick up the next Call of Duty game if you're into Warzone. Yeah. Yep. And so there was also a quote in there that uh, some people latched onto that it, this next Call of Duty is uh, being, quote, built for next generation uh, experience or built as a next generation experience. I'm not exactly sure what the direct quote is, but uh, some people were saying, you know, I saw some tweets going around, some surveys on Twitter or a survey that like, would do you want this game to be an, an exclusive on next gen consoles? And I thought that was interesting because I don't think that they're going to do that. I, I think there's still so many ps4s and xbox ones out there that i imagine this is still going to be a cross-gen experience but that's just me i don't know what you think about that oh i'm totally with you i mean the fact that there's only what like almost 8 million ps5s out there probably half as much maybe 75 percent as much xbox series x and s's out there um we know how many units of ps4s uh <laughs> sold i mean that's where the bulk of that Warzone community is that's just where it is yeah. so they they would be dumb to not um you know put the game on previous gen i think yeah yeah especially with how many how many copies these sell uh and then lastly i think we actually talked about this on a previous show the the, the rumored name is call of duty world war 2 vanguard so there's some rumors about when this world war 2 setting could take place will it be in the 40s like world war 2 actually was or will it be some alternate history maybe in the 50s so we have to wait and see on that uh but activision has promised more details soon so that's what we know about call of duty coming up anyway right and i would like to see it at e3 uh we'll see yeah i I think that would be uh reasonable to expect uh whenever i've gone to e3 activision always has the biggest booth in the house so (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they do yeah lots of people love their cod yeah so anyways that is the those are the top stories we are now going to take our first break and when we get back we're going to talk about resident evil village we'll be right back And we're back. We are now going to dig into our deep dive topic of the week. And I don't think we've ever done this, Jackson, but we are going to have a bit of a review discussion around Resident Evil Village. Uh, In the video I just posted to my channel, I started out by saying that this is without a doubt the biggest game of 2021, Uh, but maybe I'm missing something here. But anyways, this game is huge. It's it's out tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. And right now it's sitting at an 85% top critic average on open critic and 87% of critics are recommending it. So I think it's fair to say that this game is reviewing very well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, before I get into it, I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are. I, I know you posted a video to your channel about the reviews for this game. What are your thoughts about how this game is is reviewing? Yeah, I think generally speaking, um, it, it's it's a game that a lot of people don't have terribly bad things to say about it. Um, and that's something I feel like the, I don't know what the mathematical term would be, but like the median for this game is pretty high. Um, and the, the very floor of where the reviews are is really high too. Yes. So that signals to me that this is going to be something that the majority of people like. And there's a lot of talk about whether it's caters more to the action side or the horror side, especially since seven was arguably the strongest horror game in that series. Um, you know, we can, we can talk about that, whether we land on that, but, uh, yeah, people generally really like it. Yeah. Uh, 
I did spend a significant amount of time yesterday kind of listening to some reviews, listening to some review discussions uh, and reading some reviews. And it definitely seems to straddle the line between Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 4. I did read that, you know, a lot of the uh, something that came out in my uh, as I read these reviews that I didn't really realize is that they intentionally uh, dialed back kind of the fear factor. Uh, because Resident Evil 7 was a very scary game, and some people felt it was maybe too scary. So Capcom tried to tailor this game a little bit to those people. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, just one of the quotes I have here, this was actually from a review that was uh, given on, on Inverse.com. I'm not familiar with this site, but it was actually one of the lower reviews that I could find, which was a 7 out of 10. Uh, and it just, a very simple, short and sweet quote, they just said Resident Evil Village is a good but not exceptional middle ground between the action-oriented RE4 and the horror thrills of RE7. But another point you made that I want to make here and kind of reiterate is that this was, A, one of the lower reviews. So, yeah, the review floor, I think the lowest review I could find was a 5 out of 10. But the vast majority of reviews are 8 and above. Um, right. So really in between 8 and 9. That's where I would say like 80% of the reviews for this game fell. And even the negative reviews, quote-unquote negative, the ones that were in between like 7 and 8, still have really good things to say about it. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I uh, just having finished played uh, playing Resident Evil 7, um, I got more excited, uh, much more excited to play this game. And so the fact that it has that, res- that, uh, that it does kind of uh, continue off of what Resident Evil 7 did, but maybe not as scary. Actually, that sounds great to me. Um, I don't know right. if you- I don't want to talk too much here, but before I get uh, uh, before I forget, the one thing that I did read was that uh, the characters were all people were all over the map about the characters. Like they love the villains, but nobody likes Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone hates Ethan. That's something I picked up on too, which is really funny. Um, one of my favorite perspectives. Forgive me, I can't remember where it came from, but. Um, I think it was Skill Up, actually. In his video, he said, yeah, Ethan's boring, blah, blah, blah. But it really serves to put the rest of the characters on um, the, the front stage in the spotlight. And uh, I, I that's something that I can totally get on board with. Like, if those larger-than-life characters are kind of more of the focus, it's kind of a Far Cry 3 situation with Voss. Everyone loves Voss. And you might not have loved him as much if the main character, Jason, was, you know a little more uh, engaging. I don't know if I'm making a, a good argument here for that, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting comparison because, uh, yeah, I, I always felt that Jason Brody, wasn't that his name? Yeah. Such a bro name. Like that, that <laughs> I know. Yeah, but even has bro in the name. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I never felt like he was that interesting of a character. But um, yeah, with this, the villains uh, seem, I mean, everybody loves uh, uh Dimitrescu and everybody in my YouTube comments corrected me that it is actually that you do pronounce the U. I don't know, but anyways, <laughs> I um, heard that too. I, I don't really care at this point. Yeah, but uh, you put in the doc something that I did read in some of the reviews, and it's kind of cool. I think is that that a lot of people said that this. I mean, I think one reviewer even said as much that this is kind of like the Disneyland of scary games, where you go from like one themed area to the next to the next, and they all have this uh, villain that uh, kind of oversees that area. And that just sounds like a lot of fun to me. Totally. I'm with you there. And and even you mentioned earlier that this is a less scary game. I was so scared to finish Resident Evil 7 that I'm glad. Like, I, I want to be scared. But at the same time, I want to feel like I can 
finish the game without like looking up what's going to happen next because I, I really did do that for seven. It really did get me. Yeah, yeah, seven was very, very scary. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the show that part where you see the girl's legs like walk across this little opening and it just creeped me the F out. I was playing, tried to play that game completely in the dark whenever I did play it. And I'll do the same with Resident Evil Village, but it doesn't sound as scary. The, the, the lean in towards action is going to be interesting for me because I had never actually played through Resident Evil 4. Uh, that game came out when I was kind of on my gaming hiatus. Uh, and when I did go back and play it, I still to this day, every time I try to get into that game, I feel like the mechanics just don't vibe with me. That third person over the shoulder uh, shooting mechanic, at least in that game, feels very stiff to me. So I'll be interested to see how uh, playing an action-oriented Resident Evil feels because this will be my first. I've only I've played you know one, two, three, Code Veronica, and now seven. So oh wow, interesting. Yeah, I I uh, actually I haven't played four. I've only played what people consider the bad part of Resident Evil, which is five, and then six was just oof, very rough, and then uh, yeah, seven, and then the the two remakes that came out. So, um, you know, I love five even to this day. I, I realize it's like campy and horrible and outdated, but uh, that's a more actiony game. So sign me up for this. Yeah, and there are some mechanics here that were taken straight out of Resident Evil Four. Like as I was doing the research for my video, you can. You can uh, barricade doors with uh, like bookcases that are right next to the doorway, and that apparently is taken straight from Resident Evil. And it does look like those combat elements will make for a bit more of a strategic experience, though. Like you'll also have landmines, which I don't think I've ever played a Resident Evil where you have landmines. Maybe that that was in <laughs> four and six. I don't know, but um, so that that'll be cool. You'll have a sniper rifle, so definitely more of the first-person shooter elements being brought into this. No doubt. Uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. The one thing I do want to bring up is I listened to a review by uh, uh, Brittany Brombacher, who's like, you know, Queen Resident Evil. She's a major Resident Evil fan. She's the one who hosted the Resident Evil showcase. And right. one thing that stuck out in her review was that she loved the first half of this game, but she only liked the second half. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the storytelling that, you know, this. I heard another person say that this could have just not been a Resident Evil game and it would have the story would have made just as much sense. So if you are a big if you're big on like the Resident Evil lore, this might not hit that um hit those buttons for you. Right. That's that's interesting. Um definitely can't call myself a fan of the series, but um yeah, I've also heard that if you love Resident Evil in general that you'll you'll like this game. There are some cool like I think actually Brittany Brombacher, I saw her tweet and put it in my video that there's like two specific moments um, or I'm sorry, it wasn't her uh, scratch that. But someone did say there's two specific moments that for fans will be like, oh, very interesting. Like it'll generate conversation. So I'm excited to see what that is. Me too. I actually got as I did the research for my video and played Resident Evil 7, I actually want to go back and play like all the way back to like Resident Evil 0, which takes place before the first one, because I got so interested in the lore. I feel I feel like the series has great lore. I wish they would uh, kind of uh, dive deeper into that with these newer games, but um, they seem to kind of be leaving that a little bit behind. Yeah, man, it, it is really interesting. I, I do like, generally, I do like the IP. Yeah, so anyhow, uh, you all uh, might be starting this or have started it by the time you're listening to this podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the game so far. Uh, or if you haven't started it, uh, if you're looking forward to Resident Evil Village, or maybe you're just not a fan of the series or scary games. Uh, so leave us a comment, let us know. And with that, we are going to take our second break. 
when we get back, we're going to dig into our mailbag. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are now going to dig into our mailbag. Every week we read a question of yours right here on the show. If you want to have your question read, write us at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. Or as uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, you can also at us on Twitter. I am at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where are you? I am at JV on YT. So yeah, uh, email us or hit us up on Twitter with your questions. This week, we are going back to Brock. Brock, thank you once again for another great question. Uh, you asked, Sony surprised everyone on Tuesday when they registered the trademark for Sunset Overdrive. What do you think Sony is doing with this? Because although Sunset was made by then independent, st- by then an independent studio turned Sony first party studio, uh, referring to Insomniac, the game was an Xbox exclusive title. Also, did you play Sunset Overdrive and what were your thoughts on it? First off, thank you, Brock, for the question. Um, you're always reliable in that in that sense. Um, I didn't make a ton of this, to be honest with you. Um, Sunset Overdrive didn't strike me as a huge, successful um, game for Insomniac. I did play it. I did enjoy it. But it kind of ended up like a 7.5, 8 out of 10 game for me. Um, I was looking for it to be kind of ratchet and clinky. It was in certain ways. But, uh, I mean, Insomniac right now, they are just so much bigger than they were even when they um, put that game out. So to me, if they go back to this IP, um, I wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, you know, maybe Sony is just grabbing this up for the chance that maybe Insomniac wants to work on it in the future. Yeah, I am in the same boat. I actually would be... So part of me would be surprised if they went after this because a lot of the news that... uh, Or the, the kind of the... I don't know if they're rumors or news items at this point, but that whole thing with Sony not taking risks, that seemed to be uh, a theme a few weeks ago. I feel like this is a risky franchise because it was a heavily promoted Xbox exclusive that uh, just didn't sell very well. At least that, I don't know the exact numbers, but my impression of this is that Sunset Overdrive just didn't sell, uh, didn't meet expectations in that regard, even though it was a very good game by most people's standards. Me personally, I didn't enjoy it as much as I'd hoped. I'm kind of with you, Jackson. I played it and... uh, I wasn't, uh, uh, I just wasn't too into it. So uh, yeah. I love the aesthetic though. I think, I wish more games looked like Sunset Overdrive. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be, maybe we'll see something where they'll release like a remaster at E3. They might announce something, maybe. Uh, that's just totally off the top of my head. Uh, but I I have a feeling that that's as far as Sony would be willing to go with a franchise that just hasn't proven to be very popular, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. You make a lot of great points, and it just occurred to me that maybe it just makes business sense to, after Sony acquired Insomniac, to uh, to go and just grab that up, to just re- register that trademark. And, and, you know, we're always looking for little breadcrumbs and insights. This just doesn't seem like an obvious, like, indicator that we'll get another game. Yeah, and if they if there was another game, that means they would have Spider-Man. I mean, if Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart sells as well as it could, I mean, if it ends up being one of the best-selling PlayStation 4 or 5, I guess, games, you know, they might make another one of those. It just seems like they're, they've are they got other irons in the fire. And so I don't know if this is the one that they would choose to pursue. Right. And not to harp on so long, but Insomniac, guys, has put out three pretty huge games in three years. I mean, it, they have been working 
I mean, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, it just seems kind of crazy that they've been putting out this many games uh, given their history. So I, I just wouldn't expect this. Yeah, yeah. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there will be an announcement at E3 for some sort of remaster or, or something. But uh, with that, we have uh, once again uh, wrapped the show. So we are going to uh, um, get out of here. Before we do, Jackson... Is there anything you want to plug on your show on your uh, channel? Yes, I did like a little what the reviews are really saying video on Resident Evil Village, so that's up now. Go check it out, and I'm going to be streaming Village um, the day it releases. So today, as you guys are watching this, probably be shortly after it posts, and probably Saturday as well. Nice. And on my channel, I do have a preview video for Resident Evil Village. So if you still haven't gotten your hands on the game and you are hungry for some. Uh, some preview coverage. You could watch that video, <clears throat> but uh, beyond that, I am working on a Ratchet and Clank Ultimate preview, which probably won't post this week. It'll probably be next week. So, uh, as always, I appreciate everyone's patience as I work on that. And with that, we are going to sign off. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of the show. We will see everyone next week. Bye, guys. Bye.